Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the H2O Podcast. Uh, I am flying solo tonight in the studio. Mr. Harvey dialing in again right over here on the thing. But I wanted I wanted people to see this this glowy thing right over here. is the new tower and hopefully this new tower will be better than the other new tower uh we'll see uh good evening everyone my name is jason hunt and i am timothy harvey and uh and and just to dispel any concerns tim and i are not staying away from each other in order to avoid each other no at least not this week but yeah, I mean the timing for the timing for a lot of things uh, over the last several several weeks um, for just the Fringe Festival, some a lot of work things and and various stuff has just made it really really busy Monday nights for me. And this is always great to have a break and do this sort of thing because because obviously I enjoy this, so it's a nice break when I'm I'm working on some other project. Yeah. But and then we had a holiday in there as well, so. So yeah, no, I mean, I, I, my plan actually was to to come over tonight, and then I was like, and I have this work thing to do, and I'm like, okay, let's, just, <laughs> yeah, we'll get, okay, we'll do yeah. the work thing. Um, well, so, and, and it saves me from from making another pot of coffee. So I've I've drank I've well, drunk too much. You know, I've drunk too much as it is today. So it uh, it it enabled me to try this new um, coffee that I'm. It's all right. Yeah. I mean, it's coffee. It's just, you know, frankly, it's always dangerous to try and get flavored coffees because mm. they fib, yeah. right? So if you get like caramel or chocolate, they smell fantastic, but they don't taste particularly like what they smell like. I mean, you know, no. so put, you want coffee flavored or chocolate flavored coffee, put chocolate in your coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Boss is is calling me out. She says that on our on our graphic here, uh, Tim's chucks are the wrong color. Um, I I'm not sure that that's accurate. I mean, uh, you got to pull pull it in a little. Well, let me let me go over here. Yeah, they're they're black. They're black. Mine are not the right color, but the the way the template works on the on the on the pop on the Funko Pop site, you know, that whole pop yourself thing. Mm-hmm. Right. The the white shoes, which, you know, I've got I've got a pair of white tennis shoes, I got a pair of black tennis shoes. I don't have chucks. I don't have anything like that. But the white tennis shoes come with a really light color jeans and it just didn't look right. No, sure. So, you know, you're limited by the options they give you. In terms of you know what different combinations that you can do for the outfits, I mean, there's there's a couple of them that I was like, well, I really wish that I could get. They don't have that, so right. you know, it's it it is what it is, as they say. And sci-fi stop. No, Tim did not cancel our date. He's here, and coffee is not the tool of Satan. Coffee is the elixir of life for some people. So the um, 
these are my newest chucks, by the way. These are my, every now and again, I splurge and I actually buy the leather Chuck Taylors. Oh, yeah. Because first of all, they last a long, long time. Well, sure. You want to, yeah. you want to spend your money. You want to buy quality. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> they're not waterproof. I have a pair of waterproof uh, Chuck Taylors, um, but they are pretty, pretty close to waterproof when you're out in this part of the country where occasionally you will get some dampness. I need uh, I dampness. like to go walk. I need dampness over here. We're trying to dig. Uh, we're trying to dig uh, out to to have a put a a storage shed, mm-hmm. and you got to clear a space and even it out in order to lay the lay the concrete slab. Sure. And the dirt is just packed in hard as a rock, and and yep. it's been it's been a challenge to get that cleared off. Oh my God. Would like to do it sometime. Finish it this summer. Uh, well, better here than than down in Texas. I well, maybe. maybe. I guess I don't know. I mean, I've been although not according to the world of The Walking Dead. If anybody's been yeah. walking the uh, <laughs> yeah. fear of The Walking Dead lately, there's an awful lot of bunkers in a state that doesn't have a lot of basements. I know that just uh, just just even hearing that idea, you know, that just doesn't fly very well in Texas. Texas does not go underground. So, but they yeah, it's there. They film in Texas. It's not like, it's like they don't have like local people who couldn't answer the question. I know. Right. But then you'd have to rewrite the entire season. And it's just, you know, it's like there was that movie that Diane Lane and Queen Latifah were in about the, about the women who robbed the, the federal reserve in Kansas city. But they, mm-hmm, but they mm-hmm. shot it in Shreveport, Louisiana, right. and the police cars don't look anything like the police cars in in Kansas City because Kansas City doesn't have black and whites. I don't know. It was like, wait a minute, that's okay, not well, that's here's, not here's Kansas the, City. Here's the deep cut, right? Planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, I grew up in Wichita, Kansas, and Wichita, Kansas features at one point in the film and everybody who watched that film in the theater, you could hear the Wichita <laughs> audience go, Oh, <laughs> like that's not right. That's not right. I mean, yes, Kansas is, there are huge chunks of Kansas where there is nothing. Um, and some of it's quite beautiful, but the largest city in Kansas is mm. Wichita. Yeah. <laughs> so, Four four hundred plus thousand people. I tell you, okay, so we're getting we're getting a bug in Odyssey. So if anybody's watching on Odyssey, I don't know. It looks like we're going, but I keep getting a pop up here that says it's a interesting here. Okay, we keep getting booted off of Odyssey. But the but the transmission is still going, so we're still we're still live over there. All right, so let's let's get to our topic. We 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 talked about buying buying shoes and 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 stuff. <laughs> this this started last week. Uh, Mindy took over on Wednesday and had uh, a Mrs. Boss episode of Live from the Bunker. 
And she took us on a tour and showed off the various different Funko Pops that we've got here in the studio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it got me thinking. Uh, and then, you know, it's just it's just this idea percolating in the back of my head. And then, of course, we've got the Ma- Masters of the Universe new series dropping a trailer. And, and that gets everybody talking about the old Masters of the Universe series and whatnot. Sure. And... It got me thinking about various different shows in the 80s, especially, that were essentially giant toy commercials. And I thought, well, why not explore this a little bit? Because you have also, you know, when it comes to Funko Pops especially, there's a Funko Pop for almost everything now. Right. And there are a number of comic book shops, for example, that are surviving on the sales of Funko Pops and trading cards and other things that are not comic books. And with Eric Larson's comments over the weekend that, you know, we're barely getting paid. You don't need to be pirating comic books. You know, the the top two were looking at the possibility of just going to reprints and we're never going to have any new comics ever again. I thought, you know, it's it's interesting that we're in a position right now and probably have been for, for a few years where merchandise becomes the thing well i would say that excuse me it's been that way for decades uh you look you go back to the 80s and you're even even when you were looking at this explosion of comics which led to the implosion in the comic book industry Mm -hmm. uh, when everyone was like i'll buy 20 copies of number one and i'll make millions (laughs) i have it was i have a box full of X-Men number one from 1992. Is that when they rebooted something? It's a Jim Lee cover, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've got and it, maybe 50 of them. And this was a thing, this was a thing that, that in retrospect doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. A mindset that said, we're going to, you know, we're, instead of buying comics to read them, we're going to buy comics to collect them. Yeah. And the distinction between, uh, you know, it's like, you know, when you go to buy a book at a bookstore, you go to buy a book. When you get a book from Audible to listen to, you are listening to the book. You're not storing it in a plastic bag for a rainy day with the hope that it's going to increase in value. And strangely, this was a thing that happened, if you're old enough to remember this period of comic book history where it went from being something that you read to something that you treated like an investment. This did not work. Well, I think some of it, you look at, you know, every now and again, back in, back in that time period, um, we, the, we had gotten our, 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 ideas about it because of everything that happened with star wars star wars blew the doors off of merchandising right you mm-hmm. know t-shirts and toys and 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 all of this memorabilia and whatnot and 
every now and again, you'd get this story about somebody finding this old comic book and how much value it was worth. You know, somebody comes across a, a, a copy of Action Comics number one or, you know, Bat, you know, Detective Comics or, you know, with the first appearance of Batman, or the first appearance of The Flash or whatever. And I think that combined with some of the other things that Marvel was trying to do at the time with all of their events. And then you had crisis on infinite earths in 80, 85, 86. I mean, all of these things started suddenly there's value to this thing. The problem with that though, is that the value comes from the scarcity. The reason why Superman number one or tales to astonish number one, or, you know, pick, pick a, a, a title that actually has sold for huge amounts of money is because there aren't that many of them. Right. Marvel decided to have an infinite number of variant covers. And, and they're because, still doing it. Yeah. yeah. And the idea, and, and to give them credit, they marketed this idea extremely well. They sold the audience on the idea that you wanted the six different covers of Hulk 203 <laughs> and the 12 different covers of West Coast Avengers, a real comic, by the way, yep. um, number you know six, and, and that, that you would get some value out of having all of these things. And the plus side is, is that they sold eight copies of this issue and 12 copies of this issue, but it was not sustainable Yeah, because eventually you realized that these things were not increasing in value. Well, and, and, you, you, had, and you would think that Marvel had learned that lesson by now, but they haven't. Every one of these folks, and we've talked about this before, they're all chasing crisis on infinite earths. Yeah. To this day, that gigantic series its impact on such on the comic industry in terms of storytelling and sales and all these things that the death of Superman civil war, all of these big titles that had really huge impacts on, you know, the, the entire line of comics. Um, and, and in many ways were critically acclaimed, you know, um, even, even things we look back at now and were at the time um, had a huge sales impact. The Clone Saga, Spider-Man Clone Saga, <laughs> which went forever, epically off the rails. Yeah, um, people were buying it, and the reason it went on as long as it did because there were concerted efforts by the people writing and editing those comics to stop, <laughs> but the sales kept them going because. Yeah. It's money. You know, it's it as much as we want to think of the comic book industry as artists telling stories, it's a business. And the folks at the top are going to dictate what that business does, see, whether you agree with their decisions see, or not. There's an interesting point. I think the art the writers and artists in the comics industry need to understand that it's a business because they don't seem to be treating it like a business. Well, you run into two things. I think that there's, there's, there is still, and I, I, I understand it because I, I feel it too, even though I know how this works. Mm -hmm. There is a 
coolness to being Spider-Man's artist, Spider-Man's writer. Oh, sure. There's a coolness. I mean, you, the, you know, the, the, these, these characters that we, we are just, you know, we're fans of giving the chance to tell those stories. There's something exciting about that. So you're willing, and this is, this is not, this has been part of the industry since its beginning folks. Um, comic book writers and artists have been underpaid since 1930. What do I? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. This is, it is, this is not a new phenomenon. I, but, it would, I would love to say. But at the same that, time, I think that you have a, a good number of them nowadays for whatever reason who have bought into their own press and think more highly of themselves than they probably should. Now, granted, yes, they should get paid better, no question. But at the same time, do you know who I am? Doesn't play very well, well that, in flyover country. So that's not just the comic book industry. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I that's know. everywhere. That's that's, everywhere. I, I've I've seen that in a, a a million years ago as a teenager. I worked for Pizza Hut in Wichita, mm. and that was where the original where the company was founded. Yeah, and so for a long time the corporate offices were in Wichita, and I worked at the the Pizza Hut that was down the street from the corporate office. So we got all those folks over there, all the executives over there. Yeah. And one day we literally did get some minor VP of whatever <laughs> who sat there and tried to pull the, do you know who I am? Well, in the booth behind him was Frank Carney, who was one of the brothers, founding brothers. And... Um, I, I was not waiting on Frank that day. I'd waited on him before. He was a really nice guy. Um, and this guy's pulling this. He doesn't realize who's sitting behind him. And Frank, and this is back when they still, I, I think they still owned the company at this point. I don't think they've sold it to Pepsi yet. And he kind of turns around and he's like, sit down, you <laughs> idiot. <laughs> and the guy was like, <laughs> he tipped the waiter on that table very well. I'm sure he did. I'm He's pretty sure to... he felt Frank's eyes bored into the back of his yeah. head the entire time. So yeah, this is not this is not something that that's limited to to the arts by any stretch of the imagination. There's always somebody who thinks they're important. Yeah. Um, I but, thankfully I've I've always known that I'm completely unimportant. <laughs> I'll remember that. We're gonna clip that and I'm gonna remember that. No, doesn't mean I'm not right. I'm just not important. <laughs> well you're not right all the time. Anyway. So, it's cute that you think so. <laughs> uh, well, you know, one of us has got to be cute. All right, so it's not me. toys, merchandise. So, oh, so, so, this was cool because we're t you started talking about this, and and of course, tying with comics. Mm. One of the so there's there's downsides to this, of course, but one of the upsides to this is the comic books we got because of toys that were really cool. And outlasted the toy. Sure. Like right. Micronauts. Yeah. And Rom, the Space Knight. Which is getting a reboot. Nothing is going to check. Uh, was it Bill Mantlo? Bill Mantlo was the writer on that originally. Nothing is going to top top that that initial run with diarrhea. Because there's Rom has Rom has come back into uh, and both Micronauts has as well. Yep. Uh, they've picked up the other comic books have picked up 
cargo companies have picked up the rights to them. And so they've had their own series. Marvel but, had Marvel had Micronauts for a while, right? With Michael Golden. Well, my, Marvel Golden, is, where, is where it started. Yeah. And uh, Michael Golden, and and you may recall this, the very first time I came out and worked at Con uh, for Sci-Fi for Me, we were sitting right next to Michael Golden's table. Mm-hmm. And I am a huge Michael Golden fan. He is, he is an artist who inspired me as a kid. Um, and I was like a foot from him and I was tongue tied. You know, this, this is the early days of, of, of me going to cons and talking to people that are, you know, very, very cool and do cool things in the arts. But I was sitting right next to this guy who got me into doing art. He's right here. And he was the artist on Micronauts, I think for the first 12 issues. I think so. And the artwork is gorgeous. Um, but it's, there are, um, there's certainly a whole lot of, and, the, and, and these were, these were attempts to sell toys too. I mean, for, you know, but GI Joe is a comic, yep. uh, had a long running, uh, uh, a bunch of different uh, companies have done GI Joe. Um, Chris star, the crystal warrior. Mm. I don't know if you remember that one. That's a, that I... one was not particularly, but Shogun warriors. They crossed over with the Fantastic Four. They crossed over with Godzilla. Um, <laughs> you know, they were, and, and they were these big plastic um, Japanese. Uh, oh, uh, I think I kind of do remember those. Robot kind of toys. And they were actually pretty cool. As a friend of mine, I didn't have any as a kid, but a friend of mine had, had the three of them. And they were actually a lot of fun to play with. Um, but... You know, these are there were some really cool comic series that came out of of toys that lasted because the ROM, the space nice space night toy, it was a kind of clunky piece of plastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it was not particularly you know, ooh, it lights up, it makes noise. All right, <laughs> but the comic book was actually really really cool, and of course, Transformers, yeah, um, robots in disguise. The comic books, the comic books and the cartoon were designed to sell a lot of toys. And it was successful. I mean, well, in G.I. Joe, when you when you look at, um, you know, when G.I. Joe got rebooted as as the little the little three and three and three quarter four inch action figures, Mm -hmm. because when I was a kid. And and you probably remember this as well. G.I. Joe's were 12 inches tall. Right, right. They were the full with the chia pet hair. Yes, with the chia pet hair, except for except for one of them. One of them had one of them had solid plastic, but everybody else was chia pet hair, and and you had one that didn't have the beard. And the beards were chia pet too. Yeah, and so you had these, you know, and Action Man was another one was kind of the same. It was like a GI Joe knockoff, or one of Mm -hmm. or GI Joe came after Action Man, I think. But, you know, you had all of these different variations of G.I. Joe in the various different military units and outfits and uniforms and, you know, special ops guy and a scuba guy. and, and But all, all pretty much within the realm of the real life military. Yeah. You weren't, you, you weren't getting into the, you know... But I tell you, that six-wheel amphibian type of of sea crawler car thing that they had for it, that was kind of cool. 
Oh, I, I, these were actually really cool toys. Um, this was also a time period where you had things like the Wild, the, the Johnny West series, which was mm-hmm. 12-inch uh, Western series. There was Johnny West, Captain Maddox. Uh, um, not I, I not to be confused it. with Johnny Quest. Right. Completely yeah. different thing. Yeah. But these were these were Western themed toys that, you know, you had the hats and the vests and the guns and the rifles and the horses and all that stuff. Um, and you know, this was the these were large scale toys. These were, you know, they were eight inches, twelve inches, most of them were twelve inches. Mm-hmm. But there were the Mago line as well so you had your star trek series that were what eight inches tall yep uh and and your dc comics and your marvel comics at all these different you know um, i had i had batman and robin superman captain marvel like the real captain marvel not the marvel knockoff um did I have a Spider-Man? I don't remember having Spider-Man or Captain America, but I, I remember Superman, Batman, and Robin. And the, and the most frustrating thing about all of those is that the emblems were these sticky decals. That came off. And the first thing that came off. And then you lost a boot or you lost a glove, and and then it was just downhill from there. But I had, um, I had the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. I had the full-size Batmobile, so... So, but but the real the real change in the industry came, of course, when little little science fiction film that nobody ever heard of, mm. and a guy who sat there went, "I tell you what, guys, if you just give me the rights to the toys," and the studio said, "Yeah, whatever," <laughs> and George Lucas sat there with, "Huh? Well, that worked out well, didn't it?" Yeah. Uh, because you know the toys marketed the movie and the movie marketed the toys and suddenly everyone understood that you could use the toys to sell the other thing yeah. here is an action man on ebay British army uniform it doesn't look like they're uh, they're going for very much very much money I don't know. This this doesn't look like this doesn't look like classic action man here, does it? Well, also bear in mind that some of the stuff was made there there's the US versions and there's the UK versions because some of this stuff was made locally to the various markets and some of it went in waves. <clears throat> this this kind of this guy kind of looks a little bit more like the classic action man, but I don't know. But yeah, I mean there's there's Part of the problem with things like Action Man is that the target audience for that collector's market is your and my parents. And they were not the big collectors. It's our generation. It's our generation who did it, Jason. (laughs) It's the people our age who did it, who did this to, who did this to everything. Uh, Because we we were the teenagers in, in, in our 20s when all of this exploded. And so, you know, when, when these cartoons came out, when, when Masters of the Universe came out, when G.I. Joe came out as a cartoon, Transformers, all these things, we were the right age to be that target audience. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's not that our parents didn't collect stuff. They collected they other did. stuff. 
they didn't collect this stuff. And it's not like our well, kids aren't going to collect stuff. Well, you They're had, just collecting other stuff. The the earlier stuff would have been things like Howdy Doody or uh, the Little Green Army Men. Sure. Or but they were like that. They weren't, they weren't driven... They weren't driven as collectibles, right? Um, and and there was a, there was this thing that again, you look at what what we got in the seventies mm-hmm. when we had these toys come out when Star Wars toys came out. You know what you didn't do? You didn't leave them in the plastic bubble. You yeah. ripped them open and you played with them until that stupid lightsaber up the arm disappeared broke or yeah. bent weird so you couldn't actually get it back up inside the arm or the or the plastic cape tore um because of course what the the earliest versions of the of the capes were yeah it was that that weird vinyl type of thing darth, with armholes so yeah. you, there was it was they weren't actually capes yeah. they were my darth vader is missing his cape i want to say that obi-wan kenobi still has his but I can't, I can't swear to that. I'd have to pull the, the box out to, to open it up and see. But, but yeah, and, and you always lost the little guns. They're gone. I mean, I don't know how many of those are gone. Missing and these were, these were not toys that people, if you folks have not seen these, and I'm, I'm sure you have, but if you, if the, these were not concerned about accurate likenesses. No. The first hand solo head sculpt, which was like, a half I, again as large. I have it. I have it. Uh, as as a human head. <laughs> no, 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 no. The the first sculpt was was tiny head. I thought it was the other way around. Where there's the because there was the there was the big head that looked wrong, and there was the tiny head that didn't look great uh, the, but was the, better. The little the little head I want to say was the first because we got, and I could be remembering this wrong, but we got a lot of that in that first wave where everything's because I've I've still got. Millennium Falcon and and the Land Speeder and the X Wing and all of that and because because you remember when they said we're going to have toys where we're going to have action figures you got a card and it was a photograph of the action figures mm-hmm. and it was basically this giant IOU will send you the action figures and you had to wait uh, probably what six months. Before everything caught up, I mean, we had Boba Fett was the worst. That was the one where, (laughs) yeah, well, because I sent off for Boba Fett, I I I collected the proofs of purchase and sent them off, and because you could get when they were advertising it, you could get a Boba Fett with the rocket pack that shot the rocket. That was how they were advertising it. I was like, oh, that would be so cool because we didn't have the Empire Strikes Back yet. Right. Nobody knew who this character was. I was like, oh, who is this? This is this is a cool looking act. And then the Star Wars Christmas special came along and you went, no, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Except that animated segment that introduced Boba Fett is, the is best still part of it. the best part. And it's on Disney it Plus all by itself. It is the best part. But yeah, you got this. You got this new mysterious character. Like, who's this going to be? And then, oh, it actually does something because none of the other ones did anything, except you know you had the lightsaber in the sleeve. But other than that, nothing. Nothing ever did anything. And this one shoots a rocket. 
and then it didn't because somebody got scared. Well, the problem is, is that about this same time, there was this thing called the lawn dart. (laughs) (laughs) I remember this. And... The lawn dart was always a particularly bad idea <laughs> because if we have learned one thing over the centuries, it's giving small children sharp objects that they can hurl through the air <laughs> has a downside. Yeah. And, you know, basically the lawn darts were actually really cool. And if you weren't... um a child, I mean, adult, I mean, trust me, I, I have great faith in the ability of adults to do damage with lawn darts. Sure, especially the if you're drinking. Of course, yeah, of course. But uh, the, you know, children and sharp objects being hurled through the air <laughs> by other children. There's, you know, so suddenly everyone's super concerned and choking hazards and all these things. A lot of this stuff was coming to, coming to light. There were a lot of uh, not just toys, yeah. but other things that were being manufactured that people were discovering were you know, slightly dangerous to small children if they ate it. <laughs> and, you know, consequently, but yeah, there's there's a whole generation of, of small children who went, what do you mean it doesn't, it, what, it, it doesn't, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> now here is, here is the Han Solo with the large head, like you were talking about. Yeah, that just doesn't look right. <laughs> no, and then this is the other one. Which also doesn't look right. Also doesn't look right, but I think. But this is the one that I've got, and it. I I want to say that's the one that I've got. There's uh, there's is that the same one? Yeah, that's kind of the same one. I want to say that this was the first one, and then the large head came after. But they're both dated 1977, so it's possible they all came out the same year. I don't so, recall they did. It was there were you could literally find them if you were lucky enough. You could find them both on the shelf at the same time. Yeah. Um, th- and this, this was a time now. Now we get three D, you know, laser scans, reproductions of people's faces. Back then, this was not. You know, you, the idea was, you know, it was first of all it was much much harder with the technology they had at the time. Yeah. It was easy to do things like Darth Vader, C three PO, R two D two because they were um, shapes. They weren't people. Right. Darth Vader's mask was a shape. Um, it had edges that you could, you know, build a mold for. And building a mold for some of this stuff was was much, much harder. So Yeah. At the same time, though, you're running into uh, you can't use sculpts from other figures because that was going on a lot, too, where you'd have, you know, uh, uh, a G.I. Joe was also uh, a, a Justice League, was also a oh, yeah. Johnny the, the, Quest. You know, they'd, re, they'd rework the molds and just, just paint them differently. Well, the, the, the bodies for every male toy and every female toy were essentially the same thing. Pretty much, yeah. Um, this was all, the, all the, the female superheroes or action figures that were designed, not specifically, I'm not talking like Barbie or things like that, although Barbie was the same way for a long time, where it was, you know, it did, didn't matter what the hair style or the, or the skin color was, it, the, the body mold was the same. The only difference is what, whatever uh, Barbie's little sister 
Oh, because yeah. it was the little sister, right? So yeah. I mean, but 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 when it came to like you know Batman and Batman and Robin, um, the only difference in in the mold was that Batman had more clothes. <laughs> You know, if you look at the well, old, Robin's old Robin's a little shorter. Uh, yeah, okay, they, they, but for the most part, these were all the same thing. Yeah. So, and then you get into you get into toys like Snake Eyes from GI Joe, where the reason the figure is all black was because it was cheaper. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to paint the figure; you just made it in black <laughs> plastic. You're done, and it became hugely popular. But it was entirely a cost cutting measure. Yeah. Huh. Interesting here. Okay, I I I got distracted um because I just found this pack <laughs> and I can't I can't tell if they're selling the entire pack or if it's if it's like this $35 per item because you see there's a number of lightsabers. I see a Bespin blaster. Oh, it's going to be a couple pack. of Han Solo blasters. Mm-hmm. Because this is where all your all your missing stuff ended up. Yeah, um, I don't recognize what's this, what's this blaster on top. I see a gaffy stick. What are these two up top? Who had those? I don't recognize those. Um, those are not those are not original trilogy weapons. I think what is that's not a bowcaster. That's not one of the po- bowcaster versions, is it? I uh, don't believe so. I think the one on it the right. I'm, I'm, I have a vague memory. Wasn't that like Lobot's gun from Cloud City? Well, no, because everybody in Cloud City had this blue one here that's on top of the on top of Han Solo's oh, DL forty four. Okay. Those were the thing, and I don't think Lobot had a had a gun. I don't remember for sure. I don't recognize. I don't recognize that one up top there. That one. Um, I don't see any stormtrooper blasters in this. No rifles. There's a gaffy stick. Anyway, all right. Sorry, got distracted. <laughs> nope, it's okay. And one thing, yeah, one thing to, to keep in mind about a lot of this stuff is that for a long, long time, these cartoons and these toys basically being cartoons being commercials for the toys was something that was not allowed on television. The laws changed Mm -hmm. and it enabled these, these companies to basically make these Saturday morning advertisements that they called cartoons. Yeah. And for a long time, this was, you were not allowed to market directly to children. Um, So then that changed and suddenly because, you know, you know, and it turned out to be extremely effective. If you if you have this, you know, He-Man cartoon, this G.I. Joe cartoon that, you know, the kids get excited about and they bug their parents about, um, you know, A, it makes it, you know, it make the, the parents know what to buy their kids because they know they want it. And B, the children, you know, begin the terrible process of wearing the parent down. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other part of that, too, is, you know, it's, not not really a sense of obligation that the parents feel, but, you know, it's it's nice every now and again to be able to do something for your kids that's not sure. necessarily related to education. Mm-hmm. So, you know, vacations every now and again, but you can't spend a whole lot of money on a trip, so let's buy you some action figures and buy some toys. Right. And, and right. G, I think G.I. Joe was probably 
G.I. Joe and Transformers were probably the two shows where it was the more the most overt at the time mm. uh, in terms of the tie-in between the the shows and the and the action figures because the the card the art on the cards were the were the characters from the cartoons it was the same artwork whereas with star wars you had the photograph of the actor or the whatever in the costume or the machine or the alien or whatnot and you had a photograph from the movies and then you had the action figure and you know, okay well they don't look the same but it's close but with the G.I. Joe stuff especially, it was, oh, this, 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 here's the cartoon and here's this. And there was more of a direct connection between the two. Not to um, mention the fact they'd run the commercial yeah. for the toy In during the, middle, the cartoon. Which was a commercial for the toy. Uh, <laughs> well, the, and the other one was um, it's probably the, the weirdest one. At the time. And I don't know that there's been one that's been as unusual at, uh, since then. Was the Rubik's Cube cartoon. Because why in the world would you do a Rubik's Cube cartoon except to sell the Rubik's Cube? Which was not really having... Okay, let me qualify that. There was a time... Where if you did not own a Rubik's Cube, you were on the outside. Yeah. You were, um, everybody had one. Yes. And I actually got to the point where I could solve it in 57 seconds, I think is my record. I don't think I ever got that fast with it, but I had a book. It also was, um, I had a book that said, do this, do this, do this, do this, oh, do this, sure. this. And I got so. You know, blazingly fast at it. 57 seconds, I think, is my record. But it also was a fad. Sure. Pet rock. And it, it did not last. Um, although you can still buy them, of course. Um, I have a know, Rubik's I've got Cube. My, I got my Hell Hellraiser yeah. Rubik's Cube. Um, I've got a Rubik's Cube and I've got a Rubik's Revenge, which is the bigger one. That's got more things what have got oh, to move moving around so you know well you're bringing that up and i'm thinking of things like there's cartoons like cubert was there a cubert yeah but you cartoon? weren't but, but he wasn't selling anything cubert was a video game right it was selling the video game and so it was this yeah and, but and you couldn't is, take that video game home with you you had to go to the arcade to play it well this is called how to get people into <laughs> arcades well, there, yeah, there's that. They probably ran a bunch of commercials for Chuck E. Cheese and Showbiz Pizza. And- sure. Well, and, and bear in mind that there was a time, again, um, where the arcade world, the video, the, the cabinet game, you know, the arcade was a big deal. And mm-hmm. interestingly enough, um, you know, you see this with, with some of these. Uh, we, we have a couple of them here in town. Or at least we, we, I think one of them closed down because of, of the pandemic. Um, but where you see this revival of, of these old style games that you would get in an arcade and you have a, enough games in a space that you can basically call it an arcade again. Yeah. Um, but these, these were actually fairly, you know, this, 
for a while, this was a very successful business model, bring in a bunch of video games and have the kids line up with their quarters. Well, and it was it was the basis for an entire movie with Tron. I mean, mm-hmm. the 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 whole beginning of that, Flynn had his had had the arcade, and Tron Legacy did the same thing, where you had that that sequence that happens there in the arcade before before he gets sucked into the into the network. And the personal computer came along, and the gaming consoles came along, and the arcades became, well, that entire model crashed for a long time. But now it's come back as sort of a, um, what did I say, a retro, but that there is a difference in playing those games. Sort of mm-hmm. there's nostalgia involved. Yeah. <clears throat> but there's I, a difference in playing the games where you're standing up and you can have, I mean, it's it, it's all of it feeds into the same thing. It's like, you know, people watch other people play games uh, online all the time, but literally there were there were people who would stand around and watch you play. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and you'd root for this person to to beat the high score. It was a big deal. Um, which is why, you know, it's just it's evolved into to what we get now with with the playthroughs and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing too is the nostalgia factor on that because you have people that are of an age like we are who grew up in that environment and now you have the next generation that's starting to show an interest in things like vinyl records or video game you know classic video game consoles or the resurgence or of the specialty VHS thing that we yeah. talk about we keep bringing, keep keep having news news stories about it on on Good Morning Multiverse because somebody has put out a, you know, this is the new VHS copy, and it's like whoa 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did I, I have a okay. clo- box in the closet full of like a hundred and fifty VHS tapes? You know what I don't have? VCR. VCR. I've got one. I got two. I got two that still work. Now, do you? Uh, did I? Did I go through the list of the games? Did I? Did I tell you that? Out of the ones that were in the box for 30 years in the garage, only two of them don't work. No, you didn't tell me that. I, I did. I, I, I hooked it up. Which of the two that don't work? Uh, Pitfall oh. and Zaxxon. They Pitfall don't. They kind of hurts. I know. I was. I really enjoyed that game, and I, and I can't. I can't think of why it wouldn't be working. But everything else. Here's the irony. So I go through and I clean up all of this Atari 2600. It's this this is the Atari 2600 I had when I was a kid. This mm-hmm. is not I go to the vintage stock and buy a new one. This this is the one that I had. Right. And it's been sitting in a box in the garage for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. With the games and the controllers, everything's in there. Except for the little A B switch, right? Right. So I get it all out and I get the I get the alcohol and I get the stuff and I and I clean it all up. I bring it home and I get it hooked up to the TV. Which sorry, you you remember that 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 vintage TV that I had over here that we couldn't hook up anything to? Well right. I, I got I managed to hook it up. It's black and white. Of course. <laughs> it's a black and white TV. So I hook up the game. And all of the all of the cartridges, I cleaned up all the cartridges, and I'm going through it. You know, Asteroids is in there, Pac Man, Miss Pac Man, Breakout, uh, Missile Command, all of these. I mean, some of them you gotta kind of 
jiggle it a little bit and kind of sure. slide it inside, whatever. But all these games work except Zaxxon and Pitfall. You know which one worked perfectly? I just put it in and popped it on, and here it goes. E.T. E.T. <laughs> Didn't have to do anything to it. It just popped it in, put it on, and it, it without any kind of delay. And I thought, oh, isn't that just irony? Uh, but yeah, it's and I've still got to figure out a way to get that signal into a computer so we can stream that game, those those mm. games. Because uh, right now, in order for us to stream any of that gameplay, I'd have to I'd have to aim a, a camera at the TV screen. Mm-hmm. And what would be the fun of that? Because it'd be in black and white. So my first, the first television that I personally owned was a black and white that my parents gave to me. So when I went to college, mm-hmm. I went to college with a black and white TV. And so I watched a lot of Star Trek, the next generation in black and white. Yeah. My ex-wife sitting on, uh, and I sitting on, on the bed that was also our couch, um, in our little apartment watching, uh, <laughs> Start with the next generation in black and white. Um, oh, oh, and the other thing is that was the time, you know, when all of these toys were starting to come out, all these commercials, these all, all these cartoons and stuff, which were essentially commercials for the toys. You also had the role playing games that were coming out. Oh yeah. And we mentioned on Saturday the the animated D and D series is getting a reprint set of cards in Magic the Gathering is one of their mm-hmm. one of their secret packs. Now, you know, though that cartoon, as someone who and I realized the cartoon was not the cartoon really wasn't aimed at the folks who played D&D. No. It was aimed at their little brothers and little sisters. Yeah. It was the gateway drug. <laughs> For uh, Sci-Fi Snob, I am 51 years old, and black and white TVs were a thing well into the 90s. Yes. <laughs> Sad but true. At least here uh, in the United States. It's, yeah. Uh, le- uh, yeah, sad but true. And also they were cheap. Oh, yeah. Well, and and this is at the beginning of cable. Oh, yeah. So, you know, not everybody had cable television yet, and and you still had the rabbit ears on your TV, and you'd hook it up, and you'd get your whatever, your three three network affiliates and a couple of indie, indie channels and PBS, and that was it. Yep. And there were a lot of people that had black and white TVs up going into the up, up into the 80s. My, uh, that was actually the first big purchase we made when, when my ex-wife and I, uh, right, actually right before we got married, yeah. um, was that we bought the color TV with the built-in VCR, mm. mm-hmm. which is great until the VCR breaks, in which case you either have to take it to the repair shop back when there were repair shops. Yeah. And then you don't have a TV. <laughs> you have to wait. So um, when we got divorced, she got the TV that didn't have a working VCR, and I got the futon. I still have the futon. 
but uh, that TV is long gone. So uh, my next TV was was bigger and in color as well. So yeah, but yeah, but yeah, the black and white TV it was a it was a thing, and and for some, even now it's that you know it's that vintage thing where you know now there's there's a little bit of that to it. See the the problem the problem I have with that is that you and I and and a significant chunk of anybody who's above the age of 20 no remembers that things were broadcast in standard definition. Mm-hmm. Yep, the square television picture. And and the resolution versus you know the HD resolution we're getting now and and so your the quality of your image so the problem with you going going back to black and white TVs um, as a vintage thing, maybe I'm sure there's somebody who's doing it, <laughs> but uh, I'm like, no, yeah. no, give me give me something with with crisper definition. That's I I want to watch my Casablanca in black and white on a yeah. high definition TV because you know why? Because it was made on film, and it's crisp. That image we, is sharp. We had see Sci-Fi Snob seems to be having a having an, an issue with us having black and white televisions. When I was when I was younger. Uh, in junior high, going into high school, this would be, this would be the mid to late eighties. We had a unit. Now the, the main television at the house was a color TV. I mean, mm-hmm. that was, that was sure. the, the main one we'd sit and watch. And it was a, it was a decent size. And when I was a kid, we had color, uh, a color television in the, co- in the corner of the living room. It was, you know, 13 inch, 17 inch, you know, not, not a huge television. Sure. But we also had those little portables and the portable televisions. These were the really cheap ones. And we had one, it had a, like a four, four inch screen, four inch diagonal screen Mm -hmm. that was black and white because it's cheap. And it also included an AM FM radio. Right, sure. it was one yep. of these portable things you could take with you, like when you went on a camping trip or something. You know that that kind of a thing, because again, broadcast at the time was not coming through tel was not coming through cables. It was you know over the air. So as long as right, you had an right. antenna and you had a decent signal, you could get a TV picture. Mm-hmm. And those those things around for a long while. I mean, they're I, still that, around. They're still around. You can yeah. still buy those little comedies. So yeah, I mean, the, my my folks had a had a nice color TV. That's that's why I had the black and white TV is because yep. the folks had the color TV. They sent me off with the black and white one. They didn't need it anymore. Well, that <laughs> and it's if it breaks, it's not you're not out a, a lot of money. I remember well, when I also, was three. I was three years old and I'd figured out how to play the 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 parents' record player, the big one. You mm-hmm. remember those big console record players? Sure, sure. I sure, figured sure. out how to work ours at three years old, and my parents decided to get me my own so I wouldn't break theirs. So, you know, black and white sure. televisions were kind of the same thing. Well, I'll give you the cheap one, so if anything happens to it, you know, the main the main unit is is not messed up. But, yeah, it's, it's you know, Dungeons & Dragons... Yeah, all of the role-playing games, all of that was out about the same time. And D&D had the, had the animated tie-in. Was there any others? Because I don't remember not any really other car wars. Gaming. There weren't anything not for really car for wars or top secret. Because we, had, got, like we had gotten past the role-playing games are the tool of the devil craze that went yeah. on for a little while there. 
Now we did um, get the what was the movie Mazes and Monsters with Tom Hanks? Mazes and we were, we were past Mazes and Monsters. Um, so the animated cartoon was, and again, folks, if you're if these are not ringing any bells, <laughs> you know this was a mess. Um, but the uh, uh, the cartoon, I I cannot think of any other gaming cartoons. Now Dungeons and Dragons had the reach. Your, your games like Traveler and Car Wars and Starfleet Battles, well, mm. Starfleet, the, all, the, all the things like Starfleet Battles or the, or the various uh, um, Star Trek, the role-playing game, or some of these licensed things that were, you, you were getting into whole different sets of licensing when you got into making a cartoon about them or something. Yeah. Um, so Star Trek was off the table. But I think the depth of some of these games ended up getting a little too complicated for cartoons. I mean, because in many ways, the, the D&D cartoon was pretty watered down standard fantasy stuff. You weren't getting it. I mean, because, I mean, the, again, you're, you weren't really targeting the D&D players. Ended on a cliffhanger. Although they did resolve that story in that, uh, in that commercial in Belgium. But we're getting it. We're getting a new one. Well, yeah, but I mean, we're so, so you have things like like He-Man and and, and She-Ra and and all these things that were again designed to sell products. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that actually turned out is that because again we're looking at that target audience that 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 particular age group where yeah. all this stuff was new, where all this stuff was, you know, there wasn't anything else, right. And so if you were a kid and you, even, even if you didn't get the toys, because my parents, my parents didn't buy me any He-Man stuff. They bought me some Micronaut stuff. I, I had a, I had a, I had a few Micronauts. I had the Star Wars, of course. I Star didn't Wars have any, I didn't have any He-Man. I think that came, that came a little bit later. He-Man, Transformers, G.I. Joe, that was, you know, it was a little mid, bit later for us. Mid-teen years for us. But honestly, I and I understand that there are folks who are huge, huge fans of the He-Man series and, and She-Ra and all these different things, and that's great and that's fantastic. Neither of them ever particularly appealed to me. Yeah. Um, I think I was just a little too old, and they were... I think it was old enough to start recognize that they were of a type. So you had the He-Man and G.I. Joe were a se- they were essentially the same show. Different characters, different plots, mm, but if you maybe, st- yeah. But I, I think I, you I think- can kind of you could if you laid them on top of each other, they would they would match up a lot more. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I was more well, interested in shows like Thundar the Barbarian, where they were just like out here in crazy land. Yeah, but see, <laughs> the thing about it is, though, also you have to remember that with animated format, and because we ran into this with Star Trek, is that you have a limited amount of time, and so your story beats are going to be dictated as much by the time frame of how much, how many minutes you've got the show, sure, as sure. it is by what kind of show you're, you know, what kind of story you're telling. So you've got a 20-minute fantasy series. You've got a 20-minute fantasy military series. You're, mm-hmm. and, and they're both telling fights between good and evil. And 
they both want to make sure that no one actually dies in the course of an episode. Yeah. Therefore, yeah, it was it was folks. If you're not old enough to remember when it was traumatic that a robot died in a cartoon. <laughs> You don't remember this time period because it was a big deal when the Transformers movie came out. Yep. Yep. And these characters, some of these characters did not make it to the final reel. Because they always did. Every Saturday morning, all of these characters lived to fight another day. That's right. And we will live to fight another day. We're past our hour. But I do want to mention, speaking of... Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, the news broke last week, and everybody was all a flutter about it because TSR Games is making a comeback. They have reorganized and they've relaunched their website last week, TSR.games. For those of you who don't know, TSR was the original publisher of Dungeons and Dragons. And on Wednesday, this week, I'm going to talk to E. Gary Gygax Jr. about the return of TSR. Now, it's going to be at a special time. Um, Wednesday, it's not going to be at the usual 1 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be two hours later at 3 p.m. Eastern to accommodate his, his schedule. So Wednesday different time but yeah i'm i'm very excited about this cuz we're going to get to talk to i mean he he's been there since the beginning his dad right. created dungeons and dragons uh and and he still uh dms games at the TSR museum up in uh in that area so uh so yeah i'm looking forward to that we'll have that conversation on wednesday Tomorrow night, we've got uh, new Star Wars news uh, on Salacious Crumbs, so we want to uh, invite you to join us for that Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. And then uh, who knows what else is going to happen. We've got a Foreign Bodies this weekend. Yeah? I believe that's the plan. That's the plan. All right. So that's going to do it for us. If you have uh, a particular toy, a particular show that was tied in with a toy that's a favorite for you, feel free to leave a comment or send us an email, h2o at sci-fi4me.com. If you want to suggest a topic for us to discuss, you can do that as well. And we do invite you, we do ask you to share this video with people you think would be interested. Uh, give us a thumbs up on your way out. If you have not subscribed to the channel, we do invite you to do that. Have your notifications turned on. We currently produce seven different programs here at Sci-Fi For Me TV. And we're glad when all of you show up for all of them. So, there we are. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Tim, have fun doing your thing that you got to do now. So. I will. I'm sure. <laughs> okay. All Thanks, right. guys. We'll do this all again next week. Good night, everyone. Good night. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.